because they were sitting on the couch watching something. And I said, you guys want an appetizer? How about peas <laughs> on the couch? And they go, like, in unison, they, like, put their fists in the air and they go, yeah, peas on the couch. <laughs> so, like, that kind of became, like, our unofficial, like, survival, like, method for, like, that whole week. This is Sisterhood Unplugged. I'm Liz. And I'm Julia. We're two sisters with a passion for telling women's stories, which is what we'll do here while we share ours along the way. Each week, we'll come together to have real conversations with each other and the women in our sisterhood. In our first collection of episodes, Volume 1, You Can Have It All, Even Cancer, we cover my story of being diagnosed with breast cancer at 35, from my mental health through my treatments and how my diagnosis has affected my relationships to what I see for myself in life after cancer. Thanks for joining us on Sisterhood Unplugged. Welcome to Sisterhood Unplugged. I'm Liz. And I'm Julia. Thank you for joining us for our first official episode of Volume 1, You Can Have It All, Even Cancer. Today, Julia will take us through her initial diagnosis and the emotional roller coaster of going from having a normal everyday life to being a stage 2 triple negative breast cancer patient. We'll talk about her mental journey as she started to cope with the news of her diagnosis and hear more about the self-advocacy that likely saved her life. But before we jump right into that conversation, Jules, how's your week going? Um, It's going, man. I kind of like it's blowing my mind that it's Wednesday. I feel like uh, it's been one of those weeks where I've had like three weeks so yeah. far. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I right now I am um, enjoying all of my like Black Friday, Cyber Monday purchases, which all like came in the mail um, over like the end of last week and over the weekend. Um, I bought some like cute little jewelry from like this nice jeweler that I really like, including um, some real earrings like a, like an adult. Um, not like $5 crappy earrings from Target. Um, cause I've always worn earrings, but, um, I didn't really like any of the earrings I had when I had to like shave my head and I didn't have any hair. I didn't like, like yeah. how any of the earrings look. And then also at the same time, like I'm more susceptible to infections right now. Yeah. So I was like worried <laughs> about putting like crappy earrings in my ears and getting infections. So Aww. I picked out some nice, like, real gold, like, sh little shinies um, to just kind of, like, jazz it up, make me feel special. Um, nice. And then I also, I feel like, I feel like this means my eyes are aging, but I've been um, wanting to take my actual glasses off when I'm looking at my computer screen lately. So I impulse bought some like blue light blocking glasses because like I'll take my real glasses off which have a blue light blocker and then my <laughs> eyes start to like feel tired because then I don't have a blue light blocker anymore. So um, they're like, they kind of give vibe like the old man and up vibes to be honest with you, okay. um, especially with my like bald hair, my bald head. <laughs> um, but in general, they make me feel very professional. <laughs> That's and um, trendy. So I've been enjoying those as well. Um, did you make any Black Friday purchases this year? Um, I got a $7 sweater off of Amazon. I'm not working right now. So spending money has kind of lost its joy. Um, but <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> 
I will take a $7 sweater any day and it is super comfortable. There's this one account that I follow on Instagram that posts like promo codes for stuff on Amazon every single day. And I'll see stuff that I like, but it'll take the price down to like $20 or like $22. I'll put it in the cart and then I'll be like, no, I really don't need that. But when she posted that sweater for seven bucks, I was like, yes, I need a $7 sweater. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So that was pretty much the extent of my Black Friday shopping. $7 sweater that turns out to be an excellent buy is uh, Black Friday in a nutshell, I feel like. Yeah, seriously. And it was so weird this year. I've worked in retail stores for, oh my God, since I was like 18 years old. So Black Friday has always had a completely different meaning to me. But being on the consumer side this year, and I didn't even really get to like enjoy it. So, (laughs) you know, maybe next year, but... Yes, definitely loving my $7 sweater. That's amazing. Um, On like the flip side, I also went to um, uh, my first doctor's appointment alone this week, which was a little bit overwhelming. Um, (laughs) I, Matt and I, my husband Matt and I joke that we're trauma bonded now (laughs) because um, like, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but um, (laughs) I haven't done anything without him, like, in the room with me by my side, including, like, getting a biopsy. (laughs) Um, So it's been, yeah, it was a little overwhelming to go to the doctor's office with him. And then I also got, like, some, a little, not, like, bad news or anything, but just, like, unexpected news um, about just, like, having to continue continue chemo but like in pill form so it's it's not the same thing as like what I've been going through but like I really had it in my head that it was just going to be like chemo surgery radiation move on with my life um and I received like I found out this week that um it's very likely that I'll have to go on like a pill form of chemo after um my surgery and radiation so um I mean it's like not that big of a deal Cause I also, I'm on immunotherapy as well as chemotherapy yeah. and that goes for a whole year. So like I'll be getting immunotherapy and like through next summer. Um, so like, it just sounds like the, the pill chemo is kind of like just a little addition to that. Um, but it was just kind of like something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. So, and like I have um, two treatments left before I move on to like the surgery portion of the cancer programming. So like, I feel like people keep saying to me, you're almost there. You're almost there. And then like for them to be like, oh, but also you're going to have to keep taking this chemo drug like for a while after you are done with what we've been saying, you know, you're almost there with. It was just like a little unexpected and um, a little bit of a blow. Um, But I'm making peace with it. Moving on. Thanks to my uh, my official Googler, Liz. (laughs) Yes, I, I feel like the, I have a lot more information about it now. <laughs> I am the official Googler of all things cancer because um, one thing I learned from my own postpartum experience and pregnancy really is if you have a question about something health related, you should never Google it yourself. <laughs> have somebody else do it. I wish I had taken that advice. Um, but yes, I added that in as one of the cons to oral chemo is that it's still chemo and you still have to do it. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which sucks. Yeah, but whatever, you know, I'm here, so I'm in it, gotta do it. 
Yeah. So I don't know. What else do you have gone on this week? Um, this week, much like the last time we talked, was a little bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> um, aside from learning some new ways of looking things up, so traditionally a strictly Googler and then looking up things through hashtags on Instagram, I discovered the magical world of Reddit and I am learning so many things. So oh my God, I Reddit so is so intimidating. Um, yeah, I don't fully get how to use the app. <laughs> but I know how to find what I'm looking for. So I have Googled, uh, not Googled, what, Reddited, whatever Reddited. <laughs> I'm coining that term right now. I have <laughs> Reddited so many things. And it's crazy because when you look things up on Google, basically whatever you look up is like, you're going to die in six months. And when you look it up on Reddit, people are like, oh, yeah, I have that. That's totally normal. Unknown side effect of XYZ. And you're just like, oh, my God. Okay, so life's normal. And Google is a scary place. So <laughs> I probably won't be using Google that much anymore. I'll just use Reddit. But that was a great discovery. The reason why I started using Reddit is because the stomach virus ran through my house this week. Aww. And as a parent with emetophobia, that was one of the most anxiety-inducing weeks of my life. Yesterday was the first day that I could actually take a deep breath, even though it had been like four days since anybody had thrown up. Like yesterday was the first day that I could like breathe and move on. It was horrible. And like, I really had to come to terms with one of my biggest nightmares, which is uh, people around me getting sick and not having anywhere to go. Um, so, I mean, luckily for us, it really was a mild case, but it didn't make it any less anxiety inducing. So thankfully, I don't want to say we're on the mend because I said that last time we talked and then everybody got sick. So mm. hopefully we have moved on from this portion. Um, and now we're moving on to some fun things this week. Um, my husband, Zach is shifting careers. His new job starts in the new year. But he put in his two weeks and his last day is on Saturday now, um, which is really exciting. So we'll have a couple weeks before he officially starts his new job, which is very demanding, a lot of travel for the first couple of years. So I'm excited for us to have Christmas together as a family without me working and him having some time off. Um, so we're going to go see some family that we don't get to see very often and just look for some fun things to do as a family. Um, which I'm really excited for. And what's the most exciting part of this week is that in two days, me and mom will be coming down to visit you. I know. I'm so excited. So we so can celebrate excited. your birthday. I'm so excited. I'm really excited. I'm super excited because I'm still like feeling good. I had um, treatment on Friday. So it's yeah. been like five days. Um, and by last week or by my previous treatment this was like Wednesday Thursday Friday was kind of when like the side effects really started to ramp up so um I don't know I'm feeling like really hopeful that we can go out this weekend like go yeah. out to dinner and um I'm also super excited about re potentially recording in person because um that would be awesome yes yes um for our listeners we do not live in the same state <laughs> Oh, yeah. We Important. Live, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we live a few states apart, so um, we don't get to see each other in person as often as we'd like. So very excited to be able to see each other very soon. Yeah, man. With no kid. 
Yes, I know. Well, I mean, my kids will be here because, well, like, they live here, but. <laughs> yes, but mine will not have to come with me this time. Um, Not that he's not great or anything, but it's just, it's a different type of visit when I get to go by myself versus when I bring my son, so. For sure. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> It'll be, like, a real focus on, like, girls' time, which will be yes. awesome. And much needed. Yeah. So. Yeah, so very exciting. Good yeah. things coming this week, which is good. All, All right. right. So you want to jump right in then? <laughs> We're so awkward. Yes, we are so I'm awkward. ready to jump in. Right. Um, and fair warning, I like, so, I don't know. I tried not to do a crazy amount of like prep work or note taking before this episode so it would be a little bit more like organic and off the cuff so uh so good luck to you <laughs> oh thank you good luck to me as well because I actually wrote questions down so it's I hope they don't sound as awkward as uh, I think they're gonna sound when I ask <laughs> we'll see how it goes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you can bear with us we've got a, a great story to tell in this episode um so we're gonna jump right in and go through Julia's diagnosis and that whole process um, but the first thing that I wanted to hear from you, uh, if you could share with our listeners, is taking us through what was happening in your life prior to discovering the lump that you found. Like, what, where was your mind at? What were you excited about? And what were you focusing on? Um, yeah, it's, like, kind of hard to, like, think about that, to be honest with you. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Who is that person? Um yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was, so I found the lump in June um, of 2023. Um, I, very strangely, I have always been really, well, this part isn't strange. I've always had a lot of anxiety about medical <laughs> things. Um, and the strange part is that I've always had a lot of anxiety specifically about breast cancer even though mm -hmm. we have no history of it in our family, like I, there, there's just like no logical reason why I was specifically anxious about breast cancer, but I, um, am, I have always been anxious about it to the extent that I picked a date every month where I would like do a self check to stop me from checking myself all the time. Oh, um, wow. yeah, I think it's just like, something that like when there are other things in my life that are like out of my own control it's something that like I could focus on on my own body so like yeah. I, I don't know I, that's my guess I'm not a I'm not a mental health professional but anyway so um I was performing my self-check in June and I just like felt something different um before then I mean I you know I'm a mom of two um Hey, my daughter was two at the time. My son was six and I am a journalist by trade. I um, work as a, um, on the senior editorial team for a digital media company. Um, so I was just, you know, writing and editing and um, I was, I am also a competitive Irish step dancer. So I was training for the regional championships, which happen at the end of every year. Um, and I was just kind of living my life, you know, uh, my son was finishing up kindergarten and, um, my, yeah, I was just working, taking care of the kids, um, trying to maintain a social life, maintain the relationship with my spouse 
stay fit, go to dance class, you know, do all the things. Um, and I will say that I do think I was like really in a place where I was going through the motions though. Um, yeah. which obviously something like this act in very weirdly kind of helps with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I was at when I found the lump. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I just knew that it hadn't been there before and it was different. Um, and my husband knows that I have some, uh, maybe dramatic <laughs> anxiety about medical related things. So, you know, he did, definitely did not brush me off at all, but he was just kind of like, you know, I don't know. You, you gotta just go get it checked out. I don't know. You know, um, yeah. it's probably nothing. It's probably nothing. And he was right. You know, like in terms of the odds, it was probably nothing. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that kind of, that kind of upended everything <laughs> when I yeah. started to like, that kind of like took over my anxiety, you know, that like, that just burrowed inside my anxious mind and like lived in there. Yeah. I very vividly remember going down to see you the weekend before you got your diagnosis. And I didn't even know you had anything looked at at that time. But I just remember um, Matt, so we put all the kids to bed, Matt stayed home with the kids and you and I went out to just hang out and get a drink and just chat. And I remember like, just talking about normal things. Yeah. And it was when I look back on that, like, it's so surreal to think about, like, I, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but, like, how naive I was in my thinking that, like, oh, it's nothing, you know, and mm -hmm. we kind of just went about talking about our normal lives and normal things that were going on, and everything just changed so quickly. Yeah, I know. I remember, I remember sitting like at the bar and talking about um, how I was going to get a new dress for yes. um, Irish dance competitions and um, like going because you, <laughs> um, you know, were no longer working retail during yeah. like Black Friday weekend and the, the holiday season, you were like thinking of coming with me to the regional championships and like, yeah, yeah, I just like remember talking about all that stuff and but there was just like something inside that was nagging me that was like, don't, don't like, don't look forward to that yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I kept saying, I just want to, I just want to get this call from the doctor. Yes. I just want to get past this. I just want to close the book on this. Um, because like, there was like, for sure, a real like nagging in the back of my mind that was like, this is something that should be addressed. Yeah, definitely. So you perform your your scheduled checks and, you know, really make sure that there's nothing going on. You feel something and you go decide to have it checked out. What was the process from discovering that lump to getting your diagnosis? Um, it was kind of, okay, so, so part of my medical anxiety is that I hadn't been to the doctor in, like, three years. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I was, like, before COVID, I was really good. I was, I was, like, going to the yeah. dermatologist regularly, the dentist, the, like, primary care, gynecologist. Like, I was, 
I was in a good groove. I was having regular checkups. I, I was like doing the things. Um, but then my daughter was born in um, the fall of 2020, which was just like a really hard time to have a baby. Um, and I had like postpartum, I had definitely postpartum anxiety um, and yeah. kind of like the, um, the result of that was like COVID totally like, excuse my language, like fucked me up when it came to like going to the doctor basically yeah um because I already had so much anxiety about it and but I was like powering through it and then I just couldn't with everything going on with like having a new baby postpartum COVID I just couldn't do it I couldn't power through your, it so your anxiety so the first, shifted totally fight to freeze <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> um so the first step was actually like getting an appointment at a primary care doctor because I had called it had been three and a half years since I'd seen my primary care physician so I called that office to start just because like I knew that office it's kind of like far away we we also moved right before COVID um, which was mm -hmm. another part of the friction I had when it came to going to the doctor because we moved far away from like all my other doctors um so I called my original doctor and, um, you know, I was like, oh, I used to go here. It's been a while, um, but I found a lump in my breast and I want to have it checked out. And they were like, okay, we can see you in December. <laughs> and I was like, I'm now, sorry, they what? They can see you now they can see you. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? No. Um, so I was like, wait, I was like, even if I'm having like an issue, you can't see me till December. And she was like, yeah, like you're not, con you're considered a new patient now because it's been more than three years. So then I was like, oh, God, okay. So I kind of just like found whatever primary care doctor would take me first, um, which luckily I did find one. Um, but it was, I found the lump like toward the beginning of the month of June. And then I went to a primary care doctor at the end of the month of June. Um, and it turned out that I kind of like lucked into a really good system. Um, it's like... Yeah through this hospital there's um one of the top breast surgeons in the baltimore area like maryland and like even greater area is through this practice the oncologist that i have is like one of the best oncologists in the area like I i'm in a really good spot and i think it was kind of like a little bit of divine intervention that i ended up yeah in this system but um the first step was making a primary care appointment which was like that there was so much friction it was so anxiety inducing but but I did it um and I saw I actually saw a nurse practitioner like not a not a real not not I would say not a real doctor that's not, I don't mean that but like um you know not an actual physician but like a, yeah. a um, certified nurse practitioner and she's awesome she's like she's a woman with two kids and um she actually when I went to go see her it was she didn't even examine me she didn't touch me it was just like establishing myself as a new patient um so all mm -hmm. we did was talk but I told her about my I told her everything that I just told you know you and she just believed me and she was like yeah. well if you feel something I'm ordering you an ultrasound and I'm so lucky because you know, one of the things through this process is just like hearing other women's stories that have gone through similar things. And so many women, especially young ones, 
they're not like people don't believe them doctors don't believe them and they they think oh because of your age it's just hormonal changes but like this this woman was like I believe that something is different and you should go get it checked out so um it was a little while before I was able to get in for the ultrasound um like a few weeks so I like went to Irish dance camp and like went about my normal (laughs) life um but I was you know, it was in the back of my mind. I was nervous. Um, so I got the ultrasound and a man, a male radiologist came and gave me the results and, um, like right then and there. And he was like, this is, I'm 90, 95 plus percent sure it's a fibroadenoma, which is a benign growth. Um, that's like not of any concern. And his recommendation was that I come back every six months for the next two years mm-hmm. for an ultrasound to make sure, just to make sure that nothing changed. Um, because if fibroadenoma wouldn't change, but if it's cancer or something else um, concerning it, it, it would change. And um, I, and he was like, you know, if you really want to, we can do a biopsy if you really want to, but you probably, but you should probably like, but you probably don't need one. And I was like, I want the biopsy because coming back to the, to the doctor for an ultrasound every six months sounds really hard. (laughs) Like I have two kids, I have a full-time job. I have all this stuff going on. Like, I don't want to have to be coming to the doctor every six months for the next two years. And like, if I even come, you know? Yeah. So so I was like, no, I want the biopsy. Six months is a long time. I know. For you to not be 100% sure about something and Mm -hmm. the direction to be, let's see if it changes over the next six months. Like, that's kind of crazy. I know. (laughs) It'd be like six weeks max, not six months. Right. I know. I mean, I guess I don't know anything about, I guess I should at this point, but I don't really know how much, (laughs) how fast these things change. So like, I don't know. still. Yeah. Um, crazy. Yeah. So I had the biopsy done and um, yeah, it turned out that it was not in fact a fibroadenoma. Um, it was a, it was a tumor. Um, and I just remember I had received this like weird call from my primary care doctor that it was a Monday, the day that I, um, was told that I had cancer and I received this weird call from, from my primary care, my primary care doctor earlier in the day that was like, have you heard back yet about your biopsy? And I was like, no. And she was like, okay, it still says in in your file that it's pending. Someone from the breast center will be calling you. And I was like, that's weird. I was like, okay, so like, is there something wrong? Like, is there something I should be worried about? And she was like, I can't tell you anything. It just says pending, but like, it just seemed really weird. It was a really weird phone call. So like I was freaking out, like freaking out. So, um, Matt had me go out for a walk. Like he took me for a walk, like a, like a little puppy. Um, and (laughs) I, we were on our way back. We were almost back at our house from the walk when someone from the breast center, a surgeon called me. And, um, I just like remember her exact words and her saying, unfortunately it is breast cancer. And, um, you know, my husband was on the phone with his boss at the time. Um, and 
like, but I had said like, oh, the doctor's calling. And so I just repeated her words so that he would know what was going on. And so she said, unfortunately, it is breast cancer. And I said, it is breast cancer. Okay. And my husband hung up immediately with his boss. And then it was just like, I don't know. It was just like a whole whirlwind conversation after that. Yeah. So you received this news on a Monday after being told it was 95% plus sure it was nothing. And you received this call being told that you have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. What were those first couple of hours like after receiving this news, especially having been so panicked about it with the initial phone call from your primary doctor? Yeah, it was just, uh, I feel like I just went numb um, at first. And I just, I tried really hard to like listen to everything that she was saying to me. I should have put her on speakerphone so that my husband could listen as well. It wasn't like until the end of the conversation that I, that, you know, Matt was finally like, put it on speaker so I can hear. Um, so like, there was just like all this information that I had to relay to him. And I was like, it's chemotherapy and triple negative And I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I just, it was kind of a long conversation, probably like a half hour, 45 minutes. And I just paced back and forth outside my house, listening to all this information about, you know, grade three was how aggressive it was. And with Mm -hmm. the type of, I remember the phrase, the type of cancer that you have, like coming up a few times and me just being like, the type of, I have, I don't have cancer. Like the type of cancer that I have, what are you talking about? Um, and I was just like, absolutely shocked. Um, but you know, right then and there, they set an appointment for me for the following morning at 1030 to come in and meet with the breast surgeon, meet with the oncologist and get a mammogram and an MRI and all these imaging things. Um, um, one of the most bizarre things about that afternoon was like, so this call comes in at like three o'clock, right? Like my son gets off the bus at like four fifteen. My daughter has to come home from preschool. So like, I still had to like be a normal person with them. Um, and I just remember like my son getting off the bus and my daughter coming home and we are not a, um, we try to like limit screen time. I mean, we don't definitely don't like to do the best job with it, but with my daughter, I, we don't really let her watch TV on weeknights because she, at the time she was two. Um, and like my son, we let him watch a little bit after my daughter goes to bed. But that day, my son, he, God love him, asked, asked this like every single day and every day the answer was the same he and until this one day he said can we watch something and I said you know what yeah you can and I feel like in that moment he like kind of knew something was off um but at the same time you know he was like I'm hungry I need a snack and my daughter was like yeah I'm hungry and I was like oh my god I have we have to like feed them dinner like they're still two humans who need to eat dinner and go to bed and like have a normal day. (laughs) Um, So I remember like, just like my kids love frozen peas, Um, like just (laughs) straight out of a bag, thaw them in the microwave and they just like love frozen peas, the little weirdos. Um, So I just remember saying to them, 
um, because they were sitting on the couch watching something, and I said, you guys want an appetizer? How about peas on the couch? (laughs) And they go, like, in unison, they, like, put their fists in the air, and they go, yeah, peas on the couch! (laughs) So, like, that kind of became, like, our unofficial, like, survival, like, method for, like, that whole week. Um, and just like right then and there, I just like went to the freezer and I, I defrosted like a bowl of peas each (laughs) and they just ate their peas on the couch. Um, and that was kind of like a weird, funny thing that came out of that very horrible day. Um, new family tradition exactly yeah so like now when they want when they're hungry after school and dinner is not ready yet um you know I I don't want to give them snacks but if they want to get a head start on their vegetables I'm totally fine with that so they'll ask for peas on the couch (laughs) um which is kind of funny um but yeah and then just one additional thing I'll say about that evening um which happened after the kids went to bed and we kind of like slept walked through you know dinner and getting them like through their routine was um like later that night um I had realized I hadn't really eaten anything all day because I'd been so nervous um so Matt was like oh let's you know how about a piece of avocado toast and I was like yeah okay because avocado toast is like my comfort food I like ate a whole avocado every single day for like both of my pregnancies and like whenever I I just like love avocado toast so um I was like okay so he made me a piece of avocado toast and I just kind of like I didn't really feel hungry I didn't really feel anything but I just like ate it I just like I took like I just ate the whole thing I ate half of half of a piece of toast and like you know a few minutes and within five minutes um I had to run to the bathroom because I threw it up like yeah. my body like was so in such a state of shock that I didn't even realize until that moment that like I couldn't even keep food down <laughs> yeah um so like that was pretty that was a that was kind of like a jarring moment because like I didn't even feel that yeah. my body was in that state of shock you know what I mean yeah definitely um so definitely a lot of ups and downs in those first couple of hours I mean mostly downs but (laughs) peace on the couch (laughs) is definitely a win you inspired me um with your peas on the couch uh we started a similar tradition in our house called apples on the ottoman I I have to start dinner at some point so uh, between 4 or 4 30 we start happy hour and that's when he has his apples on the ottoman and watches some barney and i make dinner and it's a it's a fun little thing he looks forward to it every day and like you definitely cannot feel guilty for giving your kids like fruit and vegetables exactly you know? and then, like <laughs> and then if he doesn't eat his vegetables <laughs> exactly dinner, then i don't feel as bad because he just had an apple <laughs> So. It totally removes the stress. Like, I love when the kids want peas on the couch or, like, all if we have carrots ready to go um, and I'm and they ask for an appetizer and I'm like, here's here, have some carrots. And, like, my son's already eaten a bowl of, like, a dozen carrot sticks, like, before yeah. dinner even starts. Because, like, it just takes so much stress out of the process of, like, getting them to eat dinner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
And that's exactly what I needed that day was like, just, yes, <laughs> I, they needed to eat and I understood that they needed to eat, but I didn't, they, I had, there was enough stress already. I like, I don't know. It was just, it just eliminated that element of like having to fret about whether they ate their vegetables when they sat down for dinner. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love apples on the ottoman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you started it, but. <laughs> um. So you mentioned that shock that you didn't realize like how in shock you were until you tried eating for the first time. How did that shock and that feeling evolve over those two weeks between receiving your diagnosis and starting treatment? Um, yeah, it honestly just got like so much more overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like so crazy. Cause like, once you get to the treatment part of things, you really do kind of settle into a routine. Um, yeah. especially cause like with chemotherapy, like it's a, it's a pretty long period of time. So, um, you know, it's like, there's a routine at this point. I've been doing the chemotherapy thing since the end of August and now it's like, almost the middle of December. So like there's a routine, but in the yeah. beginning it's, you don't know anything. Everything's just like, it's changing like almost minute by minute. Like we would like, so I, so we went and saw the surgeon and the oncologist the next day on Tuesday at 10 30 AM. And um, like, we just got so much information and also not all of the information at the same time. Um, you know, we got information about like what my course of treatment would likely be, but yeah. they weren't a hundred percent sure until they had all the tests done and the imaging and the PET scan and the MRI and another biopsy and like all this stuff. Um, and so we go to the doctor on a Tuesday, we spend, we were there for probably like five hours or so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time I was away from my husband, Matt, and um, I remember him telling me about how he was texting with our mom and just saying, like, I'm sitting in this room with a bunch of tissues on the table. Like, what's happening right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, meanwhile, I was getting a mammogram because I, I'm 35. I'd never had a mammogram before. Mm -hmm. Um and I was getting, um, well, they brought me back later for the MRI, but like, just, and, you know, I was sitting in this like cold hallway on a bench in a gown, like, like naked from the waist up um, with like this little thin gown, like wrapped around me waiting for a radiologist to say like, okay, we got all the images we need, like you can get dressed again. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, it was just so overwhelming. And then but from there, it like kind of got even more overwhelming because it was like we finally got to go home and but then like doctors and nurses were and technicians and secretaries were just like calling my phone constantly. Um, and luckily, my husband is he's I'm like, I don't know where what I would do without him. Like he's he's been this way, like always in our relationship through like even through childbirth, like, I feel like he participated in childbirth as much as a man can possibly participate yeah. in it. Um, and he's been the same way with the cancer and, um, like pretty quickly, like within 24 hours, 
all of the people who were calling me stopped calling me and started calling him. <laughs> Smart decision. <laughs> yeah. So we would just, you know, but we would be like in the middle of dinner with the kids and like a number would come up on our phones that said healthcare. And we'd have to like yeah. drop, like leave the kids alone at the counter and like, just go take a phone call. And thank God, you know, our mom is retired and, um, you know, you, being in the place you are right now with um being between careers like I was so lucky that like you guys could come down and be with us because like I don't know what we would have done with the kids you know yeah. like just having to having to just drop everything and then like even you know we would find out at like 7 p.m or 8 p.m on Wednesday that I had to be at the hospital for, a, you know, an MRI led biopsy at 7am the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, meanwhile, you know, my son, it's, you know, they have to go to summer camp. They have to like my, my daughter has to go to preschool. Like mm -hmm. there was just so much going on and um, it was, it was just so overwhelming. And one of the best decisions I made, honestly, was like right then and there on that Tuesday, like less than 24 hours after finding out I had cancer, I mentioned going on anti-anxiety meds to yeah. the oncologist. Um, it's something I had been considering doing for a long time, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I hadn't been to the doctor. Yeah. So there was like a lot of friction between an important person in the process of getting right, right. <laughs> um, but right then and there, I was like, I need anti-anxiety meds. So um, they prescribed me. They gave me Xanax, which I don't really use so much. But they pr prescribed me Lexpro, which is like a little bit more. It's like the everyday, um, yeah, long-term yeah. anti-anxiety med, and that was like such a good decision because. I'm not going to say the Xan the Xanax helped when I had to have an MRI led biopsy, which is yes. <laughs> actual torture because I don't know if you've ever had an MRI before, nope. but I hadn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, not. it's like you're in this tiny tube and it's so loud. It's like, yeah. like they give you like headphones to listen mm -hmm. to stuff, but like, oh my God, it's like so loud. Um, and I'm not claustrophobic. Like I don't, I'm yeah. not scared by loud noises. Like that kind of stuff doesn't bother me, but oh my God, I was like, I almost had a panic attack like during yeah. my first MRI. And then they were like, um, we found this like little tiny spot on your MRI. So we have to have a, you have to have a biopsy and it <laughs> has to be, you have to have an MRI to have the biopsy. And I was like, oh my God. So like on that day I took a Xanax because they had me, they were sliding me in and out of the MRI tube <laughs> yeah. for three hours. Oh my God to it was like they slid me in the MRI tube to like find the tiny spot they slid me out of the MRI tube to put the needle the biopsy needle in. they slid me back into the MRI tube to make sure the needle was in the right spot it was just like so God. crazy so anyway that's the, that was actually the only day I took a took a Xanax but I needed it that day but the Lexapro <laughs> um <laughs> I have been taking daily since that Tuesday um yeah. and it has been I'm not going to say it's helped super a lot with like the cancer related stuff, but it's made yeah. all of the other stuff mm -hmm. much more manageable for me. Um, like I feel like stuff with like being on time to things with the kids, mm -hmm. I don't get as panicked about it. Like I don't feel as much like rage when like yes. my three-year-old isn't listening to me at bedtime. Um, and it's like, things that like could be really disastrous right now for me because I have yeah. so much going on in my brain like 
the anti-anxiety meds really help with all the day-to-day stuff. It, it, it helps it feel like not overwhelming and it helps me have more presence of mind and also have more patience. Yes. Yeah. I also went on anti-anxiety meds during postpartum and I really resisted it for so long because I just, I didn't want to go on anything. I didn't think I needed to go on anything. But when I finally made that decision, it made a huge difference. It did not make my intrusive thoughts go away. You know, that was still there and those still pop in every once in a while, but like I can think about them a little bit more clearly. And like my, the biggest thing that I noticed was I would commute super long, at least an hour each way when I would go to work. So there's obviously a lot of traffic and a lot of other people on the road that used to stress me out so much because I would just get so mad at other people on the road. Yeah. You know, and like I have noticed, like I I just drive like I'm just going wherever I'm going, and I'll get same. Like that was the biggest difference that I noticed. Oh my god! Yes, so much less road rage. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you know, the state we're from, it's very common, but I just yeah no. So I totally totally get that feeling of like it doesn't make the anxieties around the cancer or the thing that you kind of wanted to go on them for but it takes away that added stress of all the Mm -hmm. other little things that fuel anxiety so when you are faced with the anxiety like the big one the major one you're able to think about it a little bit more clearly because you don't have all these other little things kind of like fighting for the attention yeah absolutely and like I feel like through this whole process like advocating for myself yeah has been really important um and it's something that like I don't know I feel like that's kind of a cliche like you hear people talk about like advocating for themselves all the time but I've never really had to like live that before and to have been in a situation where I did advocate for myself I did ask for the biopsy even like because I felt like there was something wrong like and I did advocate for myself by saying like okay I understand that I have to go through this but like I really want some anti-anxiety meds to help me um that's been a big lesson for me and it's yeah like I just think that especially in a in a medical setting a professional setting like in a lot of different settings we can often you know, be gaslit to a certain extent or, you know, made to feel like we're being silly or, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, dramatic. That's definitely the right word. Um, But like, maybe we're not being dramatic. Like, you know, for me, if I had waited six months to Mm -hmm. get another ultrasound, what would my life be? Because I, I, I'm not going to say I got lucky because there's nothing yeah. lucky about having cancer, <laughs> yes. but I, I found this early. I personally caught this early and I, you know, after with all the overwhelm of the initial flurry of diagnosis, like I remember on a Friday at like nine o'clock at night, the, the surgeon called me it was my, my last test. It was a PET scan. Um, and she called me up to tell me that it was the official word was that it had not spread. It was one tumor. I had nothing in my lymph nodes. It did not split spread to other organs. 
And she was like, I'm really sorry for calling you at nine o'clock on a Friday, but I really wanted to send you into the weekend with like this, this, this news. And it's weird when you're going through something like this, because doctors are so clinical that like um, some, and for me personally, this kind of like goes with the advocating for yourself thing. Like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, like, so they would talk at me sometimes and I would kind of like not even understand, like, I'd be like, what the heck are you even talking about? And I remember like yeah. being on that phone call with her at nine o'clock at night on a Friday and her going through all the like numbers and crap from like a PET scan. And she was like, and these are your numbers. And, and I was like, okay, I was like, I'm so sorry. I need to stop you right there. Are, is what you're telling me right now good news? And she said, <laughs> it's flipping awesome news. Yeah. So like good. in the end, and even just that that act of asking that question of of like saying like I need clarity right now like yeah. even just that small act of advocating for myself like I think that's I don't know that I would have done that before you know yeah um but like it's because seriously like you know if I hadn't if I hadn't chosen to get that biopsy like if I had waited six months on this mm-hmm. like aggressive type of cancer like. God, I just don't even want to, I can't even let my mind go there because it's like too scary. Yeah. So advocacy throughout this whole entire process is definitely something like loud and clear. Were there any other big takeaways that you have throughout the course of your diagnosis? Um, I think like this is so cliche and annoying but like I think just like the fact that I'm stronger and more capable than I think I am and I think that's true of absolutely everybody um just the the fact that I had like the fact that I was able to go through this and also still like be be with my kids go to work Mm -hmm. like work out even um because that's important for my own personal mental health like I I just like I'm I'm it's I'm strong a strong person that I was able to do that and I think we're all stronger and more capable than we think we are especially when like push comes to shove in a situation like this um I also think that like it's funny because like this is kind of something that came up when I was like reading parenting books, you know, a week before I was diagnosed with cancer, because my biggest (laughs) issue was like two-year-old tantrums was like the whole two things can be true Mm -hmm. theory. Um, Like for like with kids, um, it's like, you know, two things can be true. Like going to bed can be hard and you also still have to go to bed because you're two, you know? Um, Yeah. But, like, for me, two things can be true. I can live my life and also have cancer. Um, Yeah. So, like, kind of a recognition of my ability to, like, almost compartmentalize um, in a a way that allows me to confront those hard things while also living my life. So, like, I got a phone call that I had cancer, but I also fed my kids peas on the couch Mm -hmm. and put them to bed and you know, woke them up the next morning before going to the doctor's office for four hours. And then I came home and I got them off the bus and I fed them peas on the couch. And I, you know what I mean? Um, And 
even as I've entered into like the treatment phase, just like going, it's, it's weird because it's like, I go, there've been moments where I've gone from like crying in a doctor's office to like reading on the couch with my kids, like fully present with them in that moment. But which sounds bad, but actually like, it's been a good exercise for me for presence of mind, because like I said earlier, like I, I feel like I was just kind of sleepwalking through everything and, and just kind of like checking things off each day. Um, But now I do feel like I, I'm more present, Um, which again, I, another cliche, but it's true. Um, And, you know, cancer or not life goes on motherhood goes on work goes on like and you it is capable to face something hard and to go through this and still live your life and be you yeah um yeah and really just at the end of the day it's it's okay and smart to help to accept help in whatever form you need it from you know like you know letting my mother-in-law cook us dinner or letting my mother-in-law do our laundry, which is like very hard for me to let go of because I'm very type (laughs) A and I fold things a specific way. And I like, (laughs) um, you know, I put things back where they belong. And um, my mother-in-law is a little bit more loosey goosey about that kind of stuff, but, you know, just accepting that help (laughs) was really important and it's very helpful. And, you know, she and our mom and you, you know, people have been so generous with that type of help. And and it's hard. It was hard for me to accept help at first, but I needed it. And yeah. I still, I continue to need it. And it, it's okay to need help. Um, and it's okay to need to go on anti-anxiety medication. And mm-hmm. um, it's okay to ask questions. And it's okay to to tell people how you feel and, and be transparent with them. You know, if you're going in for a medical procedure that you've never had, like even just me saying like, you know, look, I'm in a really bad mental space and I've never had this done before. So can you walk me through what exactly what's going to happen here? And like, I'm, I'm, I apologize if I'm, you know, if I'm a little short with you or whatever, like it's okay. It's okay to, to need that type of grace from people and, and, and to accept it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And as somebody who has, watched you go through this entire process like I know mom and our family and friends and everyone it's like amazing and impressive at how you are two things at once you are a mom you're well I guess it's more than two things but like you're a mom (laughs) and you show up for your kids every single day you still go to dance every single week and then you go in for your cancer treatments and you go get your chemo, you come home and you go right back to, you know, your normal life. And it's, it's so amazing to watch because I feel like when you think about cancer in general, we really only know the medical parts of it. You see stuff on TV or you hear stories and all you really know is about people's chemo side effects. Like that's all you really ever hear about, but no one ever really talks about how life still continues on and you still have to do all your normal things while you're taking on this huge endeavor and to be able to see you go through it with seemingly so much ease has been absolutely amazing and inspiring oh well thanks I mean it's definitely um 
that must be what it looks on, like on the outside because yes <laughs> uh last I mean, night I don't think it's easy but <laughs> yeah last night I um had a little moment when we were going to brush our teeth at night because I just like got so overwhelmed at the idea of having to continue chemo like yes. after everything that um I almost ripped our shower curtain down from the uh mm the shower because I was like having a little like fit moment I just like needed my emotions just like I don't know that's another thing I guess that that's, that's come up that's part of the help that I think we've also seen you accept is like your husband giving you the space that you yeah. need to feel what you need to feel so that you can process what's happening and move on instead of like trying to solve your problems or talk you down or calm you down. Like when you have those moments where you just need to get it out of your system, like he's been incredibly supportive with just letting you feel and do what you got to do to keep moving. Yeah. And it's like, that's, you know, to be honest, like they did, they haven't happened like too, too often, but there have been those moments where like my emotions just like, they just bubble and they just need to like shoot out of me and I just need to like scream into a pillow or not into a pillow just out loud sometimes <laughs> um or like you know punch my shower curtain a few times um yeah like it just sometimes and I just need I need to get all it I need to get it out because I can't let it stay inside I just can't because yeah you know there is definitely a version of this story where I could feel really just sorry for myself and like let it get me down. But, but then, but to what end, you know? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to share about this part of your I don't want to say journey, your situation. <laughs> My situation. Um, yes. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think one of the reasons, okay, I guess, yes, I do have something more to share. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I want to share this story, um, my story, is because, um, you know, one of the things I've learned with going through all this is that it's, it's actually not that rare of a story that, you know, um, mm -hmm. there are a lot of young women who, uh, who share this diagnosis, who have shared experiences where they've been, you know, had an inverted nipple or like pain through into their armpit and been told that it's hormonal um, changes. Mm -hmm because of their family history and their age and, um, you know, and just been doubted until, until they weren't. Um, and I think like one of the reasons I want to share my story is in case there are other people out there who, you know, I don't know who might benefit just from that information. And I, yeah. I it's funny because like, I see young women now out like at Starbucks or at the grocery store with their young kids or with, or not with young kids. And like, God, it, sometimes I have to like physically restrain myself from just shouting at them, check your boobs. Because like, <laughs> you know, if I you had just been, get it on a t-shirt, 
Uh, seriously, like if I hadn't been like <laughs> Just a flash your t-shirt to everyone. <laughs> if I hadn't been like a psycho anxiety ridden person who was like checking myself, like my story could be so different. And if yeah. there is anybody out there who, you know, isn't performing their self checks, isn't like, you know, like, let this be your sign. Let this be your sign to start today because it's important. It's important. And we know our mm -hmm. bodies best and, um, and we need to advocate for ourselves in that way as women, um, in the, in healthcare and really in pretty much every aspect of society, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. Um, I know one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast and have these conversations was in the hopes that somebody listening would feel less isolated or less alone in whatever they were experiencing. So um, it's really nice for you to share your story with our listeners and hopefully somebody out there was able to take something away from this. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are all the questions I have for you. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are your, what are, do you have any additional takeaways from that initial like flurry? I know you, you spent a lot of time with me in the dark times. Yeah. I mean, I guess like as somebody outside of your personal experience, like somebody who watched this, this, these two weeks unfold, um, my big takeaway is, is sometimes just being there is more helpful than you could ever know. Like, I feel blessed. I don't like to use that word a lot, but because um, I always think of hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. It bothers me. But I feel blessed to have been in between careers at this time. Like, I always have believed that things happen when they're supposed to or for certain reasons. And I really think that me quitting my job at the end of June was like the universe being like, you need to be ready to be there. So to be able to be with you and your family as you started going through all this was, uh, was important to me. And I don't know if I would have been able to be there for you the same way if I was still working my job. But I remember, like, Matt reaching out to mom and saying, you should come down here because you weren't, I, you didn't want to ask for it. And, like, I think us being able to be down there was really important for us as much as it was for you because, like, when someone you love tells you that, they have cancer or something really tragic is happening or something big and you don't know what to do. Like all you want to do is help, but what could we do? Like <laughs> we can't change your diagnosis. We can't take on any of the treatments for you. Like, I don't know, just being able to be there with you as you went through the beginning of this was important for us too. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, that's a good example of, like, not knowing when I needed to ask for help, because, you know, I, 
I do live three states away from you and mom. And yeah. um, I know it's hard to come down here. I know it's far. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and also just being the person going through it, it's like, I didn't see it from the outside. So it's easy yeah. to kind of not understand the extent of like how much I needed help, I guess. Yeah. And I was really, really grateful to have you and mom here. Like it was, that was so wonderful. Yeah. I wish we were there for other reasons, but yes, it was, it was good. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be the other reasons this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. And that's honestly, that's kind of one of those like weird, like gifts that like cancer has given is like, I feel like, you know, I'm the one who moved three states away. So I've always kind of like put the, the onus on me to be the one to go to, to mom and dad and you guys all the time. Um, but like, it's, it's been so nice to have people come to us for a little bit of a change. You know what I mean? Um, and it's the I know the kids oh gosh especially my seven-year-old he is just he has actually expressed to me that he he will be sad when I don't have cancer anymore and people don't come visit (laughs) us as much (laughs) oh my god well we'll make sure that doesn't happen Because it's mean, just been nice to have you guys around. Like, I feel like we've seen each other so much more in the last few months. And that's really gone both ways. Like, when your son was born, I feel like I was there every week for mm-hmm. the first, like, couple months of his life. And then after that, it was, like, seeing him sporadically. And he grows up so fast. And honestly, being able to be there and, like, play with your kids, like your daughter was born during COVID. I, I really didn't get to see her for I know. the first like couple years of her life. And then I had my son a year after that. So like, I haven't spent as much time around her as I have in these last couple months. And I feel like we've got like a cute little bond now. And it's, I know it's nice. I feel so much closer to you and your family than I did before. And it's such a weird thing to think that, you know, there are little gifts that come out of something mm-hmm. like this but I I truly think that there are like this I think this was a gift for our our relationship with our families I agree a hundred percent I really do thank you for listening to our conversation today on our next episode we'll dive deeper into the mental health aspect of dealing with cancer which is part of my story that I feel like changes almost every day so I'm looking forward to talking through that Until then, you can find us on Instagram at Sisterhood Unplugged or on our website at sisterhoodunplugged.com. Thanks for being part of our sisterhood. This is Sisterhood Unplugged signing off. So what did you think of this one? I think it was good. What did you think? I think it was all right. I don't know. I talked a lot. Yay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, All right. So I'm just going to like... I feel like an actress or something. Yeah, right. Okay. <clears throat> All right, I'm just going to go for it, okay? Yeah, because I had to piece. Oh, Same! Oh my and god, I, like, I oh, did too! <laughs> All I can hear is him at the basement door saying, Mama! Mama! <laughs> Mama? And I'm just like, oh my god, I hear you! <laughs>
I felt like I kept cutting you off because I didn't want oh, the no, whole I thought you did a good job just at, me at being like, in. uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I said yeah so many times. Wow, look at us learning so much. All right, I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.